This is Chad Harrison, and you're listening to Hope Alive, applying God's word to your daily life. Hi, this is Chad Harrison, and I am the teaching pastor of Lake Community Church and have been serving as a pastor for 25 years. I'm also a practicing attorney. This podcast is designed to help you study God's word and find God's will for your life. I pray in the name of Jesus right now that God would open up his word to you and allow you to see him and to know him and to know his will, that you might glorify him and that you might walk in faith and power each and every day, especially today in Jesus. Name. Good morning. Welcome to Lake Community Church's morning Bible studies. Good to be with you this morning. We're in chapter 17 of the book of Genesis. We're slowly making our way through the book of Genesis. We we have covered the first 16 chapters. We're getting real close to the halfway point. It took us it took us almost a year to cover or a little over a year to cover the book of Psalms. And now we're in the book of Genesis chapter 17, verse 1. We're dealing with Abraham and God is going to finalize the paperwork on the covenant or the contract, it's not a worldly contract, which, which which always has limitations, has limits in time and space, but it is a, it is a, uh, a eternal contract, a spiritual contract, a contract that ultimately uh, with, with Abraham is going to uh, last for, it's going to last eternally. It's a spiritual contract. It says when Abraham was 99 years old, that's a ripe old age. When he was 99 years old, he still had not, he still had not have had a son with Sarah. It says the Lord appeared to Abraham. This is, this is several years after it's many years after he had appeared to Abraham and took him outside and showed him the stars in the sky. And then Sarah decided that they would help God out and send in the handmaiden Hagar. God said, I am almighty God. And I love that. God always in the Old Testament, when he, he presents himself as a with a name, and he gives himself different names, especially in the book of Genesis, because he is showing himself, he's showing himself to be the different character traits that he has. He's revealing the, his nature to us in his names, and one name's not sufficient to, one name's just never going to cover all that God is. This is, I am Almighty God, or I am El Shaddai. And that is the name that he uses here. He is the Lord God Almighty, El Shaddai, Jehovah El Shaddai. He is the one who is over all things. He is the one who is preeminent over all things. He is sovereign. He is uh, he is all powerful, and and he is he's telling Abraham that I'm able to do all things. I'm all powerful. I'm all knowing. I'm above all things. I am in all things. And so he says, I'm God Almighty. And I, he says, walk before me and be blameless. I love that. What he's saying is, what he's saying is you walk and you trust me, you walk by faith and you will be blameless. Now notice our blamelessness is not based off of our own, uh, our own actions. It's not based, based on, uh, on what we do. Our blamelessness is based off of the finished work of Jesus Christ, but when we walk by faith, we're righteous before him. We're blameless before him. When you trust God and when you walk in it, that doesn't mean that you're not going to have fleshly desires and that you're not going to stumble and that you're not going to do you're not going to do things that even you don't even know is sin. The Bible says anything that's not a faith is sin. It doesn't mean that you're not going to do that. It's, it means that as you walk, what you're doing is pleasing God because you're walking by faith. You're trusting him. And, and God's not really... God's not really trying to figure out 
how good a results you can bring about for him because he's in charge of the results. He's God Almighty. He's El Shaddai. He's the one in charge of everything. And so he's in charge of the results. What you're in charge of is acting upon the faith that he's given you. You're in charge of trusting him. And you've been given the gift and the ability to trust him. And so when you when you walk by faith in front of him, you are pleasing to him. You're trusting who he is and you are operating. You've connected yourself to the power of God. You are operating in the kingdom of God, which is inside of you. The Bible says that the kingdom of God is inside of you. You're operating inside. The kingdom of God is you've connected and operating in, and you walk before him blameless. He said, I will make my covenant between me and notice. He's saying, I'm finalizing the covenant between us. There's a covenant that you and I are going to have, and it's an eternal covenant. Remember, these are contracts that don't go away. That The Old Testament covenants that are made, there are, there are many of them, the Adamic covenant, the Abrahamic covenant, the Noahic covenant, the Davidic covenant, and I'm missing a couple in my mind right now. They're all come together in the covenant, in the complete covenant with Jesus Christ. <clears throat> but that doesn't mean that the covenant that God made with Abraham in the Old Testament goes away because we have a complete covenant in Jesus Christ. All those covenants in the Old Testament, they still remain. They're still in place. Jesus is just the summation. He's the completion. He's the, he, did, he said, he's the fulfillment of those covenants. That's what he said. I don't, I didn't come to destroy the law. I came to fulfill the law. And so he's the fulfillment of those covenants. He said, I'm going to make a covenant between me and you and will multiply you exceeding. Then Abraham fell on his face, and God talked with him, saying, notice, now God is just having a conversation with Abraham. He's not telling Abraham things. In the past, if you'll go back last couple of chapters, when God speaks to Abraham, he tells him something. He gives him some information, and then Abraham acts on it. He says, go to a place you do not know and live among a people you don't know, and then you just go over there and do it, and Abraham does it. Now, Abraham has fallen on his face, and that's a picture of worship. And that, that, that is worship, by the way. That's the word for worship in the Old Testament and the New Testament is to fall down on your face, to, to prostrate yourself, to come before God and be humble before him and allow him uh, access to your life and to speak into your life. He says, it says, Abraham fell on his face and God talked with him. You notice when Moses humbled himself on the mountaintop, God conversated with him. He had a conversation with him. I don't even know if conversated. It's, it's definitely a Southern word. I don't know if it'd be in any high-minded English dictionaries, but when you ever conversated with somebody, that, that doesn't mean you talk. That means you sat down and really got into something that was important. You dealt with an issue that was important. It says that Abraham conversated. He talked with God. He spent some time actually getting to know God, and he said, as for me, behold, my covenant is with you. God saying, now listen, I, my covenant, this contract, this eternal agreement that I have, it's with you. And you shall be the father of many nations, not just one nation. He says, you're going to be the father of a multitude of nations. He says, my covenant is with you and you shall be the father of many nations. No longer shall you be called Abram, which the name Abram actually means many nations. He says, you're not going to be called Abram, which means many nations, but your name shall be Abraham, which is the father of many nations. That's what Abraham means. When you add that ha in the, in, in the middle of Abra, Abram, you go Abraham. When you do that, the, the, the meaning changes 
from not from not being a multitude of nations, but a fa the father of a multitude of nations. He says, but your name shall be Abraham, for I have made you the father of many nations. This is an important principle in scripture. <clears throat> this is where God actually changes somebody's name. It's going to be, it's going to be a, a running theme throughout scripture after this. When God steps in and when he speaks to someone and when he changes, when, when they are changed by it, many times in scripture, he changes their name. He either gives them a more complete name or he totally changes their name to something else. Here he gives Abraham a more complete name. Abraham was born a multitude of nations. When he dealt with God, he became the father of that multitude. He became, he became the one who was the source of that multitude. And remember, Abraham's the man of faith. And as he walked in faith with God, God made him the initiator of those nations. He made him the, the one who, who had the seed of, of many nations. He was the beginning. He was the genesis, as we're studying through the book of Genesis. He is the genesis of many nations. When God, when God reaches down and touches you, I don't know if you know it or not, but you have a new name. You're a new person. The Bible says the old has passed away and the new has come. And the name of who you are on the earthly level is not the name that God has you on a covenant level with him in heaven. In fact, the Bible says when we get to heaven, he shall give us a new name that only he knows. He's going to have a special name that's just between us and him. And, and each one of us will have that name. Why? Because we have our own personal covenant relationship with God. And that covenant relationship, like I said before, is through Jesus Christ. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. Now, this is a, this is a clear picture of not only God's promises to the Jews, but it's a clear, it's a clear revelation of what he does with us by faith in the New Testament. He makes us fruitful. It's a foreshadowing. He's a type is the terminology that's used. It's a foreshadowing. When we when we walk by faith, <clears throat> he makes us fruitful. He makes our lives fruitful. Now that, like I said before, that doesn't mean that we don't mess up. What it means is that he brings about his results in our life. He begins to bring about his purposes and his results in our life. He makes our life fruitful before him. He says, I will make you exceedingly fruitful. I'll make you, I will make nations of you and kings kings shall come from you. And uh, we all know that uh, the king of kings is going to come from him, but many kings in many nations are going to come from his seed. He's of a, he is the source of royalty. And, and, uh, and that is uh, well, that, what a wonderful promise that is that God gave to Abraham. He's, he says, I'm going to make kings come from you. And we already seen that he has the power over kings because with just a few men, he conquered the kings that had already won a great battle in the South, uh, understanding that God's covenant is a royal covenant also is important. We are royalty when we have that relationship with him as the bride of Christ. He says, for an everlasting covenant to be to be God to you and your descendants after you. Notice he's saying, I am going to be your God. Now, I, I do want to talk about a little bit about this because I think it's of great importance. When you walk with God by faith and when you walk in obedience to God by faith, you effectuate your descendants. You pass on, even if they're not people of faith, when you, when you pass, you pass on an anointing, you pass on a, a, a blessing to them. They benefit and they have increased because of your obedience to God. 
That is a very important principle. Not all the time do your children chase after God. Not all the time do they live a life perfect before God. But you give them an open door that they would not have had by trusting in God. You give them a lineage or a legacy of faith. And by giving that legacy of faith and that, and by walking in greater and greater anointing by faith, you give them the possibility. You open doors, great doors for them that they might walk in even more and greater faith. See, faith builds on itself as it passed down from generation to generation. And you walking in faith and building faith and trusting God in faith, uh, you build a great legacy for yourself with God. You build your, for yourself uh, a great legacy in your family. And you may not see it at the start. Even God the Father gave us the story uh, through Jesus of the prodigal son who went out and wasted in his inheritance. Sure, our children may waste their inheritance, but that does not mean that you didn't pass on the legacy of faith. And that does not mean that that faith did not have its effect in their lives. Because remember, even the prodigal son, even the prodigal son, when he was in the pig pen, said, in my father's house, my servants have it better than I do now. And that is true of people of faith. People who walk by faith, people who live by faith, people who trust God, and live by his truths. They are a blessing to their family, but they're also a blessing to those around them. They're a blessing to their employees. They're a blessing to those uh, that they're over in the work. They're a blessing to the world around them. They give a blessing to the world. And uh, you are a blessing to those around you when we walk by faith and trust God and allow his fruit to be multiplied in us, allow his fruit to come about, the fruit of the spirit to come about in us. He said, also, I give to you and your descendants after you the land in which you are a stranger. Notice, he says, I'm giving you the land. And that's a picture of the promises of God. Remember, every time I read the word land, I always think promise. It is the promises of God. And the promises of God in the Bible are multitude, thousands upon thousands of promises of God. He gives them the promised land. He gives them promises that are going to be fulfilled. Because remember, out of the covenant, out of that spiritual contract, out of that spiritual relationship that cannot be broken, out of that covenant uh, comes many promises dealing with many issues of life. And he says to them, I'm going to give you, I'm going to give you these promises. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to make sure that I'm involved and that I'm effectuating hope and life and change in you through these promises. He says, I give you and your descendants after you at the land in which you are strangers. Notice he's going to give us promises that we have nothing, we don't even know anything about. He says, all the land of Canaan as an everlasting possession. Notice he says, I'm giving you all the land of the Canaanites as an everlasting possession, and I will be their God. This is a promise that's made to Abraham in Genesis chapter 16. It's made to Abraham uh, thousands of years before Christ came. It, it's made to Abraham thousands of years from the date we're here. And that promise is still going on. That promise is still taking place. That promise is still at work in the world. And when we, when you, when you look at, when you look at this, this covenant that God's making with Abraham, God's making a covenant that's an everlasting covenant. Notice it's still going on three, four thousand years later. It's still in place, even at this hour and in this day, that uh, His descendants would be a great nation, and that. His direct line from Sarah is actually going to be given the land of Canaan, in which they do control even today and uh, could control even greater if they desire. 
but they don't. And that's God's plan. And I'm going to let God work that out. And I'm going to just watch it and see God's promises be yes and amen for them because his promises for me are yes and amen. And I see this as a promise to me so that I can see the promises of God carried off. The New Testament says we're engrafted into this promise because of Jesus Christ. He's the one that grafts us into the promises of God. Now, God's got a special plan for the Jews, and he's going to deal with them, and he's going to deal with them within his covenant relationship that he made with Abraham. And I'm going to watch it and expect it and enjoy it. And I am going to encourage it. And I'm going to be a part of it. And uh, I want to be a part of that. And uh, I stand with the, with Israel. And uh, I stand with the promises that God has made with Israel. That is, that's unwavering and unquestionable to me. My father, uh, my father taught me that when I was a young man. And I will walk in it till the day I die. We are going to stand uh, for the things that are right. And we're going to stand for the things that are right in our nation. And we're going to walk with God and walk in his promises and be a blessing to the nation that we live in. And we're going to stand with Israel because Israel is the fulfillment of God's promises. And if you're in our Revelation Bible study, you know that they are he is working out his final plan to fix and to change and to bring about the very best in the kingdom of God. He is going to do that in this world through that nation. And he's ultimately going to come back and rule and reign. Through, through that nation, Jesus is going to rule for a thousand years as a Jewish king in Jerusalem. And I praise God for that. I praise God that the covenant that he made with Abraham is still standing. I praise God that Jesus is the fulfillment of all the Old Testament covenants. And uh, I praise God that I'm a part of it and that I'm given the ability to walk by faith. I hope you do too. As you go today, I pray that the Lord will bless you and keep you, that he'll make his face to shine upon you and that he will give you hope and peace today in Jesus' name.